this morning we want to continue with our uh, study of our uh, doctrinal statement. Uh, and uh, we are up to the paragraph that says this, In the fullness of time, the divine Son became a human being. Yeshua, the Messiah, born of a Jewish virgin, a true and perfect Israelite, a fitting representative and one-man embodiment of the entire nation. He lived as a holy tzaddik, which means a righteous person, uh, fulfilling without blemish the mitzvot of the Torah. He brings to perfection the human expression of the divine image. This is uh, a great uh, way, I believe, of introducing in a doctrinal statement who Yeshua is. Because it places Yeshua not only in his cosmic uh, uh, place, you know, the Lord of heaven and earth, uh, the Savior uh, who died for our sins and rose from the dead, but it places him also, not instead of, but also in his historical place, historical context. Uh, and uh, if you have a copy of the statement, you know that there are three or four paragraphs that talk about all that Yeshua uh, has done, and we'll be talking about all of the great things in his death and resurrection that he has afforded uh, us and as, um, as human beings, Jew and Gentile alike, whoever we may be. But uh, it is very important for us that Yeshua be understood in the proper historical context, because just like when we celebrate Passover, we get so much more out of the understanding of who he is when we understand uh, the historical context in which he came, and therefore um, what, uh, what that means. Now, uh, when people ask us about who is Yeshua, who, you know, who is he, right? Uh, or people uh, ask this question. Do you believe that Yeshua is God? You know, so you know that you know that if you simply say yes, people are going to have a, a wrong understanding of what you mean by that. And if you say no, you can't say that because that would be untrue. So, you know, it, it, it takes explanation, right? It's just like when a, a young a Jewish believer, like in elementary school or in middle school or in high school, is talking to his or her friends, right? Right? Right. And, uh, and uh, someone says, so what are you? You know, it's like you got to say, even when you're a kid, sit down, let's discuss it. You know what I mean? Uh, you can't just say, I'm this or I'm that. Uh, if you just say, I'm Jewish, there's the assumption, oh, you don't believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. Then if you simply say you believe in Yeshua, they, they think you're not Jewish, right? So it always, we require explanation. That's just how it is, all right? So um, rather than uh, say, oh, it's so complicated, embrace it, right? Uh, and uh, look for all opportunities you, you can to, to share these things. Well, why am I saying all that? I'm saying that to say this, that when people ask that question, I think that the best thing, the best thing that we can do uh, is, and if we want to be succinct, is to simply quote what the scripture says about who Yeshua is. Like I was saying earlier uh, in the service, you know, it's when we begin to uh, give all kinds of explanation or to explain this is what he meant, that we go all kinds of different directions and, uh, you know, and convey things that might contain the truth but might not be spot on. But if we quote the scriptures 
we, one, we won't go wrong. That's one thing. We simply won't go wrong. Uh, and uh, I think it, it helps us, even when we have to explain it, at least we're starting in the bullseye, you know? We're not beginning with some kind of uh, extra-biblical explanation. It's like, it's like, here's the truth, but I'm going to start explaining it from over here, you know? And, and you may never actually get here. But when you quote the scripture, you're starting here, see? And then in your explanation, okay, you're, you know, you're right in the realm there, and, and people are, are getting the, the truth. Whether uh, uh, it's completely understood or not, at least you're saying the right thing. Well, to explain this passage, in the fullness of time, the divine son became a human being, Yeshua, uh, the Messiah. One of my favorite places here is actually, if you have this doctrinal statement, which we've had out for many, many weeks and handed it out at different times, Hebrews chapter 1, in the first few verses, is a wonderful, if you like to memorize scripture, memorize the first, um, I'll say even the first two verses, or no, better three or four verses, if you can, if you can handle it. Okay, the first four verses of the book of Hebrews is a beautiful explanation of who Yeshua is. In fact, I would challenge you to memorize it, and the next time someone asks you this question, just say that, and say, well, I'll talk to you later. And just leave it there, you know? The Bible says God's word never returns void, okay? And it's not such a bad thing if you quote the scripture and someone goes home and thinks about it and it raises questions that they return with. That's not a bad thing, okay? So here, this is a great passage that explains what, what this means, what this statement means. Okay, so it begins with God, after he spoke long ago, to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us in his son, or literally in son, which actually is important, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. That is a great introduction because it explains everything else in this book. The book of Hebrews is actually a, like a message, like a sermon. And it is, uh, it is uh, best understood to be read out loud because it's like a message. And here's the manuscript of the message. It's full of rhetoric, of, of, of a persuasion. So all kinds of terms are used. And the goal of this letter is to say that Yeshua is greater than everything that has come before that God has indeed used to draw people to himself. God is great, or Yeshua is greater than angels. He's greater than Moses. Uh, he's greater than the priesthood. He's greater than the sacrifices. He's greater than the temple. Just, he is everything that the entire uh, communication of God up until this point has been, is leading up to this moment. And so therefore, if you're sitting on the fence, you need to get off the fence and land on the side of Yeshua because there's nowhere else to go. That's what this message is. It's written to Jewish people 
who uh, have made a profession of faith, but are facing persecution and are thinking, oh, the, you know, the fire is too hot in this kitchen and I need to get out. And this is like a sermon, a message, an oral presentation saying, no, don't do that because there's nowhere else to go. Yeshua is the only way. Not because he's coming out of left field and he's like a new, uh, a new way that uh, no one had ever heard of before, but he is the culmination of what God said to Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob uh, and through Joseph and Judah and David and the kings and the prophets. All of it is leading up to this time in the, the coming of Yeshua. And that's why you read in the book of Hebrews and in other places as well that the prophets longed to see this day. Abraham desired this day because this is what everything was leading up to. Sometimes when we think about uh, the coming of Yeshua, we think of it this way. Uh, sort of like, let's say we're like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were the entire Tanakh, you know, the prophets, every message in it. And so it's looking forward. Well, it's looking forward. It's looking forward. But then like, it's looking forward, but then out of nowhere, Yeshua like drops out of a plane. It is, whoa, whoa, where'd where'd he come from? No, that's not how it is. Even though uh, people did not understand nor recognize him, as the Tanakh looks to Yeshua, it's like, it's almost like when you drive um, out west, uh, you know, you get to this place, I, I think I would say just after you get through Illinois and, uh, and you just keep driving straight, you can see for many, many, many miles, right? Uh, you know, that purple mountain majesty thing? You know, you, you can see way out in the distance. And uh, uh, I can remember one time uh, driving and uh, seeing, uh, I, think I, was, I think I was in uh, North Dakota, actually, is where I was. And a big, gigantic, like, you know, uh, boulder, like gigantic rock on the side of the road. And it, and it was way, it was miles away. But I could see it way out in the distance. You know, it was, it was like little, and it was getting bigger, and it was getting bigger, and it was getting bigger. And so that's like the coming of the Messiah when you start in Genesis. It's like he's far away, but as you continue, and as the revelation of God unfolds, he gets closer and closer and closer in the fullness of time. There he is. See? And that's how we need to see Yeshua. And that's what we see here. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers, in the prophets, and in many portions, and in many ways, in these last days, he has spoken to us via sonship. That's actually the best translation. In son. Okay? Now, what that, I'll explain what that means. When he says here, uh, long ago in the fathers and in the prophets in many portions in many ways, he certainly did speak in many portions and many ways via type, via uh, direct messianic prophecy. Uh, we read about, for example, uh, that God tells Eve that there would indeed be a savior. Uh, we read uh, that uh, uh, through Abraham, uh, there would be uh, a blessing to the nations. We read about the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We read about uh, one who would be firstborn, a son, a servant, 
or we read uh, direct messianic prophecies about a, a prophet would come like Moses. Uh, we read in the scripture about how uh, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned unto him as righteousness. Uh, we read uh, about the angel of the Lord, how God even manifested himself in varieties of ways, how people would see the angel of the Lord and they would go away saying, oh no, I'm going to die because I've seen God, right? That God manifested himself in both word and deed. And we could spend days, weeks, and months talking about, about all of them. Uh, and, and so he manifested himself uh, through uh, visitation. He, vi- he manifested himself or spoke to people via visions and dreams, through covenant, through promise, uh, through the uh, prophets themselves, right? Through the lives of the pro- the lives of the prophets, like Hosea's life or Jeremiah's life, uh, the um, the, uh, the 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 prophets manifested the ethos and pathos of God and His relationship with people, and then through the word of the prophets, uh, the uh, uh, the like Isaiah. Uh, in chapter 7, you have the promise of the virgin birth. And we read in the Gospel uh, of Matthew in the first chapter. In fact, if you uh, uh, turn there, in the first and second chapter, Matthew is quite uh, clear uh, uh, that Yeshua is the fulfillment of the Messianic uh, uh, promise. It says in verse 22 of Matthew 1, Now all this took place that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, uh, which translated means God with us. Okay, So it says, this is what was spoken uh, by the Lord through the prophet that might be fulfilled. But then you see it later on uh, as well in uh, chapter 2. In verse 5, And they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, For so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. If you go down to verse 17 of Matthew 2, Then that which was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were, uh, they were no more. All right, and then there's other passages uh, as well. So certainly God spoke through the, uh, the, the fathers, meaning Abraham, the patriarchs of Israel, and through the prophets in many portions and in many ways. And all of this comes to its apex in God manifesting himself via sonship. So in other words, what it is saying, see, it's very interesting here in verse 2, that there's no article before son. So it doesn't say his. I might say that in italics in your Bible, okay? His son. It's not speaking of, the, of uh, simply the, the man Yeshua. It's speaking of he's come, he has spoken us, He has shown up himself, you might say. He has spoken to us in sonship. He has spoken to us in son, in the most unique and most personal way of all. Okay? That's what he's trying to say here. 
And of course, that is Yeshua, okay? He has spoken to us in Son, not in prophet, not in fathers, not in son, not in priest, but he has spoken to us in son. You might say the, the office of son, just as he had spoken previously in the office of prophet uh, uh, or uh, priest. He had sent uh, emissaries, but now he has shown up himself. He has spoken to us in son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he made uh, the world. Now, he goes on to uh, describe him here uh, as he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. He is the radiance. Now, this uh, radiance does not mean reflection. Okay, that's really important. It does not mean he's a reflection of the glory of God. It means that he is the actual glory of God. And there's a variety of passages uh, where a God's glory is revealed. For example, in uh, uh, Exodus chapter 40, you know, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Uh, and you read about how a light shone and, and, uh, and so on. The speaking of that light is who he is. He is the glory of God, not just uh, a reflection of the glory of God. And you know, in the Gospels, you read about this moment where the curtain is pulled back on the Mount of Transfiguration, where Yeshua is glorified in his humanity. He's glorified, and we can see him in glory. That's who he is. Uh, and, and so, uh, the writer of Hebrews uh, is saying he is the radiance of the glory of God. That's who he is. It's his nature, okay? But he's also the exact representation of his nature. It kind of reminds me of, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Word is God, and the Word is with God. He is the very nature of his very being is God, and he is the 100% perfect representation of all whom God is. And that is who Yeshua is. Okay? Uh, he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. He indeed is the creator. He upholds all things by the word of his power. And he made purification of sins. And he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, which we'll cover in a different week. But uh, in our statement here, we're, we are reading, In the fullness of time, the divine Son became a human being. The Son is eternal. The second uh, identity of the unity of God, uh, the Son, is eternal. And he became uh, manifested in humanity in the person of Yeshua. Okay, That's what this statement is telling us here. That it's, it's not like a man became God. No, that can't happen. That's impossible. No man can be as God. But God can do anything. God can be as man. And he manifested himself in the Hebrew scriptures, in the Torah, in the entire Tanakh. You read, when you read about the angel of the Lord, for example, this is not like some little uh, 
some little, uh, you know, uh, baby with wings, with, with like a little magic wand, or, you know, or something like that, okay? Uh, in all of those passages, the per, they're narratives. You know what that means? They're, telling, they're saying, this is like what happened in history. It doesn't say a vision. It doesn't say they had a dream. It happened. Okay, whom Abraham saw, whom Manoah, the, uh, the father of Samson saw, and the, and the mother of Samson saw. Uh, and Joshua saw, you know, the captain of the Lord of hosts, the angel of the Lord, uh, these different figures. They were all personified as human beings, every, every one of them. And they, they, the people understood themselves as talking to people, okay? But you see, in the person of Yeshua, here we have someone miraculously from the womb, a complete human life from the beginning to the end, you might say, and beyond, right? Uh, and that is why Yeshua is the greatest uh, manifestation because he is the true incarnation. Yeshua, the, 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 the man, is the true incarnation of the divine son, okay? Very important. Now, the son in, in uh, Jewish literature and in Hebrew is usually representative of a king, and a king, when you read in the book of Deuteronomy and you read throughout the Tanakh, the king was God's man on the throne. And by the time you get to the very end of the, uh, the time period that is encased in the Hebrew scriptures, um, in, the, in the Torah, in the, in the, in the writings, you read, you read about it and, and, you know, in Ezra and Nehemiah, that time period after the Babylonian captivity. When you read in the prophet Zechariah, here we now see that it is God who sits on a throne in Jerusalem and that, and that God is the one who is indeed the king, the son. See? Uh, and, uh, and then, of course, we read about the son of man in um, uh, uh, Daniel in the seventh chapter, where in that particular case, it's, he's coming in the clouds. He is indeed the divine son of man. He is the one who is eternal, the one who is present in creation and always. Can we understand all that? No, he created us. So we can't understand the creator completely, no. But we understand what he says to us, see, about who, uh, about who he is. And so uh, in the fullness of time, at just the right time in history, the divine son became a human being, Yeshua, the Messiah, born of a Jewish virgin, uh, a true and perfect uh, Israelite, a fitting representative and one-man embodiment of the entire nation. It is interesting uh, that we read, in, in a way, you know, when you think about the prophets and you think about the fathers and the way God spoke in various times and places and the people that he used, they all were representatives of the nation. The prophets, representatives of the nation. The priesthood, representative of the nation. Uh, you read in Exodus. I don't want to turn there because we've turned there before and, and, uh, uh, and perhaps you're familiar with it. In, in Exodus, in the fourth chapter, Israel is called the sun. In the very same passage in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 22, Israel is called the firstborn. Israel is called a servant. Israel is called a vine. All of these are terms and pictures used to define Yeshua. And so Yeshua is indeed the embodiment 
of all that Israel is. He is the son. He is the servant. He is the firstborn. He is the vine. All of those uh, uh, terms and, and terminology. Uh, he has spoken to us in this time in, the, in what everything is leading up to, and that is Yeshua. Okay? Uh, and that's what the writer of Hebrews is conveying. Nothing greater than Yeshua, nothing more perfect than Yeshua. Uh, the difficulty that we have that our good friend Dr. Rudolph is going to tell us about next week is that when Yeshua comes, it doesn't mean that everything else leaves the scene, like the purpose and calling of Israel, but Yeshua makes the purpose and calling of Israel come to pass, see? Uh, and, and so uh, that's very important for us, but uh, for us here, the issue is there's nothing greater than Yeshua. And you know, it's interesting, in the Gospel of Luke, a great little statement, another great statement about who is Yeshua that you can uh, memorize or learn or write down on a, on a little piece of paper and remember. Who is Yeshua? Oh, he is a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. That's, very, that's a very interesting statement. That's what Simeon says when, the, when Yeshua is brought into the temple after he's born. What that tells us, he's a light of revelation to the Gentiles. And to Israel, he is the glory of Israel. He is the embodiment of Israel. He's the greatest Jewish person there ever was. And more so, because he's the Lord. But for Gentiles, he is the one who brings the revelation of the God of Israel. For Israel... There's already been a revelation of the God of Israel. But Yeshua is the one who uh, gives us an understanding, a further understanding of him, and relates us to him, forgives our sins, and, and uh, uh, gives us the new covenant. For, now, when he says Gentiles here, he's talking about pagans. He's not talking about like people that grew up in a Methodist church, you know, and then come to faith, or you know, grew up going to vacation Bible school, learning the Ten Commandments. No, he's talking about people who are pagans who who had no relationship to the God of Israel whatsoever. That Yeshua is the one who reveals the God of Israel to the nations. He brings the God of Israel to the nations, and the and to Israel, he is uh, the the culmination of all of those promises. See. Uh, and, uh, and, and so the glory of thy people, uh, Israel, the embodiment uh, of, uh, of Israel. He lived as a holy, righteous man, a tzaddik. And that's, uh, you know, that is a word uh, that we would uh, say today about a, a holy, a holy person. You know, such a tzaddik, right? Uh, uh, and so Yeshua uh, was this holy one. Now, in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 7, in verse 26, we read there, holy, innocent, and undefiled. Yeshua, holy, innocent, undefiled. Again, it all comes out of these first few verses of uh, the book of Hebrews. Uh, and so we see that. Uh, and uh, we see even in, um, in Matthew chapter 3, uh, Yeshua came to fulfill all righteousness. He's called the, the Holy One of Psalm 16. It's quite, uh, uh, quite clear. And, uh, and, you know, we could uh, go on uh, uh, on that. Um, let's see. Uh, the very last thing I'll just say about this is, is that, uh, you know, Yeshua came 
uh, as uh, the fulfillment of the uh, of the uh, 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 Torah uh, in uh, Matthew chapter five, in verse seventeen. Do not think I came to abolish the Torah or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the Torah until all is accomplished. Uh, Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and so teaches others shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever keeps and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Of heaven, and so Yeshua came to live out that righteousness. He is truly the holy, the holy uh, uh, tzaddik, uh, and uh, we'll continue with this uh, in a few weeks. But uh, here we see this is who indeed Yeshua uh, is. He is the incarnation of the eternal Son, born of a Jewish virgin, as the prophets teach. He is the culmination, the fulfillment of all that is written throughout the the Tanakh, the hope of Israel. He is indeed the hope of Israel and, of course, of the the nations. Uh, And uh, he is uh, the image of the invisible uh, God. And and so um, I hope that as we uh, hear that, just as the um, speaker in Hebrew said, there's nowhere else to go. He's the greatest. He's the one. He is the one whom God promised. He's the reason for the whole story, the reason for the, the calling out of, uh, of Israel. Uh, and so now that he is here, uh, let us not, uh, you know, uh, accept everything leading up to him and then reject him. Let's not do that. Let's embrace Yeshua, uh, the promise, uh, the hope of Israel, the nations, and this world. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you, God, that your promise is true. Thank you, Lord, that even, even when you made a promise to Adam and Eve, you remained faithful to the promise, even though they broke theirs. Lord, uh, thank you for your faithfulness to the promise to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the seed of Abraham, even though the promise has been broken by our people over and over again. Thank you, Lord, that in just the right time, you brought forth Yeshua into this world to indeed die for our sins, to be raised from the dead, to be the Holy One of Israel. And Lord, thank you, God, that you still remain faithful today. And we look forward to that day, Lord, when Yeshua will manifest himself once again in Eretz Yisrael, in the land of Israel. And at that time, all the nations will recognize him. And Israel will indeed recognize him and turn to him. And Lord, we look forward to the reclamation of this whole world in the person of Yeshua. And we thank you, God, that you've revealed him to us even now. We pray in Messiah's name.